Sunday, November 7th. It's been a while since I've done one of these, but there's big news in my world. My team, the mighty Indianapolis Colts, just in the last hour or so, fired their head coach, Frank Reich, who I like a lot, but clearly something wasn't working, so I'm okay with it. But then they turn around... And they hire a former player, Jeff Saturday, who's never coached in his life. He's been on TV. He won the Super Bowl with the Colts. Peyton Manning Center, a legend in Indianapolis. And he is going from absolutely zero to the head coach of an NFL football team. And I don't know what I think about it, other than at least there's action in my football world that I haven't had any good days on Sundays. So I was going to lead off today talking about my Colts. Anyway, this just happened, so I wanted to mention that so you kind of know when I recorded this. But I actually was able to go to Indianapolis last weekend and take my, my son Ben and daughter Molly, her first game, to watch the Colts play. And she'd never been, and all that cool stuff. I'm not discounting of her getting to see her first game and all that, you know, that I've gotten to do for many years. But um this is a tennis podcast along with <coughs> excuse me along with some pickleball so the Colts lost wicks my kids all three of them oh for three in first games ever attended Annie's first game was the Dolphins loss Ben was the Saints loss Molly was the commanders loss so at least I don't have any more kids to lose games at, I suppose. So, anyway, the Colts played pretty good. They're up 16-7 to with, I don't know, two and a half, three minutes to play. Played good defense, only gave up seven points. New quarterback, no turnovers, feeling good, right? So, guess what happened? We lost. Blew the game. And they gave up a 90-yard drive with 2 minutes and 22 seconds to go. Our defense, who was great the entire day, gave up the longest, one of the longest drives you can have. 10 yards short of the whole field, right? And guess what? Nobody cares how good they played for 95% of that game. We remember the outcome, that they could not do it when it mattered. And I've talked about that a lot on this podcast and my coaching is it's not about the total errors or total mistakes or winners. It's when it's timing, not total. I got to do t-shirts because I think that's a good one for a t-shirt. It is all about the timing of when you make those mistakes. And I, I had a group this week and several groups and I, I like to do experiments throughout different levels, different types of players, and different drills. And I started asking several of my groups, groups of three, groups of four, who won the first point of the day? So we we hit some balls, we get going, we play points. Sort of my path. We're, always, we're competitive within five minutes of walking on the court. You're competing, at least in my the way I do things. And I asked several groups at the end, how many of you know who won the first point? You know how many knew? Nobody. Not a single person could go back. 
and tell me who won the first point of the day, of the hour, of the the session, 90 minutes to an hour is mostly what I'm doing. Nobody cares. Nobody could remember it. They did know who won the game. They knew who won the last point, right? Because that's all that freaking matters is how you play in those big moments. It's in any it's in any sport. You can make 40 mistakes. Don't make the 41st at match point. Don't make it at add out. Don't make it at deuce. Don't make it at 5-5 five, five in the third set. It's timing, not the total. Obviously, if your total is outrageous, you know what I'm talking about in a competitive match. If you make 700 mistakes, you're going to lose the match. It's not going to be close. I'm talking in a competitive situation that the outcome is to be determined is what I'm what I'm talking about. So as you play, if you drill, if you're taking lessons, the beginning doesn't matter. How do you finish? Right? Have some your accountability doesn't really come until there's a score attached or there's a consequence to things. And so many players are like my favorite football team at least for now until I find one that I can switch to. I'm thinking about San Francisco. Same initials, SF. It'd be all over my stuff. If I got San Francisco gear, it would basically has my name on it. So that's kind of the way I'm leaning. Maybe the Bears, because their stadium's super close, and we could go to a lot of games. That's a whole different discussion. But when you're playing, who cares who wins the first point? Find out who wins the big points. Who wins the last points. Big moments. Um, obviously, my team... My team couldn't do it, and it's going to be a very rough next several years for the team that I root for. So that's my Colts conversation. If you're not a football person, probably shouldn't listen to my podcast during football season because it's sort of what I do, unfortunately. Um, so I was at a meeting a couple of weeks ago at the WAC. We have these um, leadership meetings, and I'm fortunate enough to get to participate, and we were we watched a video. I don't even recall who it was. Uh, owner, GM of a, of a hotel, I think. It was about customer service. And he had a short conversation about his staff teaching them to collect dots. And it sounds a little silly right now, but it was all about collecting dots. Because if you collect enough dots, then you get to start connecting them. And that's the one of the things that popped out about this is I think that's um, a really great way to think about things. As you're in your day on the tennis court, you're collecting dots. You're collecting things that can push you forward. And at some point, you've got enough of those and you can connect them and turn them into something. So it has been just over four years now since I lost Moreland. Um, and many of you know that was a tough time and I didn't know what I was doing and bounced around from, you know, got lucky to have Podland and college tennis and all those things. And I've mentioned before that I decided at that time that I was going to say yes to everything. And that's kind of the collecting dots thing is I just started saying yes. And yes led me to Bryant and Stratton that, allowed me to coach college tennis, which allowed me to meet some other people, and yes, got me to the Village Club, 
and yes, got me to the whack where I'm at now and been able to connect all these different things and different people and relationships that helped me get back to somewhat of a normal normal career at this moment, knock on wood or whatever this ping pong table is made out of that I'm sitting at. So again, I take everything to the tennis court. Collecting dots, that's collecting points. Do good things all the time. Be in the right place at the right time. Singles or doubles, just keep following the rules. Move with your partner, go to the middle, be where you're supposed to be so you can say yes. And collect enough of those dots, enough of those points, so you can connect them into a series of of games won and eventually sets one and hopefully matches one. It's just doing doing the right thing over and over and over and over. I believe good things can happen of it. I can't imagine if back then if I would have said, well, I'm going to make a life rule. I'm going to say no to everything. That'll be awesome. I'm not sure where I'd be. Probably in a pretty sweet cardboard box down by the river. Maybe in a van. But collect those dots. Collect the points. You you get enough of them. Something. You can build something. You can create something with those on the tennis court, off the tennis court. It's sort of a new thing that I'm going to keep in my head and teach to my students about just keep collecting. Keep saying yes. And things will they'll eventually happen. I had a player this weekend in a drill three times in a row dove across the court to steal a ball to poach off of, off of good serves. Did it right all three times. Very aggressive. Great idea. Missed all three volleys. I told her, keep going. You're going to come out ahead. If you keep acting like that and behaving like that on the court, you're going to come back out ahead because you're doing the right things consistently over and over. The shots just weren't weren't following. Falling. It was also the first game of a match, so I also said, nobody cares. We're not going to talk about these three shots in 90 minutes when this match is over. We're going to talk about what name you want to put on your trophy. And... Leads me to, again, this is, all my stuff is random. For my, my few listeners, I still have to this. Um, we're going to talk about sea otters. And if you've been on court with me this week, I've talked about sea otters a lot. Yes, it's the animal. I have a pet sea otter. Keep them in the bathtub. That's not true at all. I just made that up. But it would be pretty awesome to have a sea otter. So, if you know anything about the sea otter, which I do, because I went to school to study the otter. I was going to be a doctor of otters. Sea otters, when they go to sleep, they hold hands. No joke. And I didn't even know sea otters had hands. I thought maybe they had paws or fins or flippers or hooks or something. But sea otters actually have hands. And when they go to sleep, they hold hands so they don't get washed out to sea. When there's a big storm, a hurricane... The, the water's crazy and all churned up. They hold hands so their partner doesn't get taken away. They don't get too far away. They don't get swept out into the ocean. And whatever happens from there, I don't know. But they, they stay together. So I spent the whole week teaching my players to be better sea otters. Because if you think that way, 
you'll never leave your partner behind. You'll hold their hand. You'll be close enough to them that you can cover them if they make that mistake or they get themselves in trouble or take off running wide and you've got to cover the middle staying with them. So I get that it's dumb, but man, think of those sea otters. They'd be great devil's players. If I ever coached again a team, I'm going to go out and recruit sea otters. I bet uh, I bet you wouldn't have to work that hard to get a sea otter on your team. Maybe build an aquarium or something. But just think about that and go Google sea otters. Also, regarding animals, why aren't pigs named hamsters? Pigs provide the ham. They should be called hamsters. So when I'm president, I'm switching it. Pigs will become hamsters. They need credit. Hamsters don't provide the ham. Pigs do. So they should be called hamsters. Just think about it. It's true. Because when I'm president, it's going to happen. Staying on the tennis court... Words that you can never say, you shouldn't say. So when I played college tennis for the um, mighty Vincennes University Trailblazers and Coach Flamer Albers, who was on one of my first podcasts, if you go back and listen, he had three words we could never say or probably put me throwing up in the trash can at the side of the court, which all of us did. Can't. Never and always. There may have been a fourth, but these are the three that I've chosen. If he listens to this, he's going to yell at me if I forgot one. So I've got players who, every day, I can't do that. That would never happen. I would never do that. I always do this. He always does this. And I always stop them and say, really? You can't? Never? They always do it? 100% of the time? Always? Get rid of those words. They're not true. Go back and look. It doesn't matter. Right? Saying I can't do that is going to get you... Get the evil eye I will give you on the court. Because why not? Did you even try? Right? Telling me that um, this person always lobs. So you're telling me that every single shot they lob. They don't drive anything. They always lob 100% of the time. You can just It, it doesn't happen. Eliminate those words. Get rid of them. I'll have people say I was just trying to get it back. No. Right? So if you got to it, it hit the middle of your strings. You could have also chosen to hit it somewhere else and not tell me that you couldn't or I can't. It hit the middle of your strings. You can put it anywhere you want. Those three words should be gone. So when you're playing, when you're coaching... Some coaches may listen to this. Get rid of those three. That could be a, a t-shirt too. Can't never always. I'm I got, I'm in the wrong business. I had a player this week. Good player. Young player. Big hitter. She's in a group and starts swinging at all of her volleys. Full swings like, you know... Topspin volleys, Serena Williams style, right? And she's got a really good volley, like a standard true volley. And I asked her, and I was looking at her while we're playing, and I'm just thinking, what, what is she doing? Why, why do, why am I seeing this? So finally, I asked her, why, why are you doing this? Her response was, I wanted to hit it like the other ladies are. I'm like what? 
I said, I told her, no, no, the other ladies are doing it wrong. They should be hitting like you. And it was true. The other three, doing it wrong. Full blast, swinging volleys on everything. Low balls, high balls, hard balls right at him, just wailing on them. All missing. But this other player thought they looked cool and thought she should start hitting like them. And we talked about how don't get tricked into trying what other people are doing. Just because they're doing it doesn't mean it's correct. In this case, it wasn't. Swing the way you know how to swing. If you've got a great backhand, one-handed backhand volley, don't hit a two-handed swinging topspin volley. Why would you? Stick with what you are. And I think a lot of players get trapped into trying things that they see from their teammates, opponents, drill partners, the team. Um, if you're on a state league team, you watch somebody play, I want to try that. In most cases, it's not going to work. I tell you, go back to your coach, whoever you work with and trust, and ask them about it before you just start wailing away on things. Because most people, they don't do it right. There's a reason they're not on the tour. There's a reason they're at a racket club playing in the league on a Tuesday morning and not on the ATP tour. And it just struck me as, why why are we trying that? That's not you. So just continue to be be who you are in those cases. Um, and who I am is someone who grew up in the 80s, right? 90s. That was my time. I don't listen to any music that wasn't written in the 80s or 90s in most cases. But I was driving around with my daughter Annie the other day. And a couple songs came on, and we started, I started telling her what I listened to to before big events. And this has nothing really to do with tennis. It's just random, but maybe you all have songs you listen to before matches or for life events. My number one, let's crank it up in my car before everything. Big meetings, job interviews, a lesson I'm nervous about, um... I give a lot of travel around and give a lot of speeches and clinics and those kind of things. And this is the song I listen to, and it's called Lose Yourself by Eminem. If you haven't heard it, it's from the, his movie in the 90s called Eight Mile about uh, a guy who wants to be a rapper. And Lose Yourself will get you fired up if, you're, if you need something. That's the song. The other one is a little different vibe than Eminem, but it's from Phil Collins called, you know, everybody knows it, In the Air Tonight. And you wait about two minutes and 47 seconds in until everybody that's listening to this should know the big drum solo that you have to rock out to. It's just got this long, slow build up to this huge moment. And it's a lot about what I, what I talk about on the tennis court is start slow, build up to the big moments. But you all know that. If you're my age, almost 49, you know that song and what I'm talking about. But I'd be curious in what you all listen to. But those are, those are two of mine. And then any Poison or Bon Jovi song does it for me as well. Um, that's about it. So I wanted to mention if... If you want to see me this coming Saturday, November 12th, I'll be in Hitters Sports Complex in Middleton speaking at the Wisconsin High School Coaches Clinic. 
my topic is um, what your players are saying behind your back. This is the high school coaches. So I'm going to cover things, what, how you can maybe improve your practices. So Because I, I hear from the players. So if you're a high school coach, this is about you're running your practices. Your player comes to see me at the club for a private lesson. This is what they're talking behind your back about. And how to build a better relationship with your private club coach because that is a that's a hard balance I think both both groups struggle with. So that's what my topic's gonna be on. I don't know if it's gonna be any good. I've never really done that topic before and I wanted to do something a little bit different. You can also find me at the Whack out at Lake Country in Heartland. Follow my Instagram, all that kind of stuff. And keep an eye on the mighty Indianapolis Colts. I guess the only good thing is at least we're not the Packers. That's all I got. I'll talk to y'all later. Thank you.